Welcome to the study of God's Word, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, let's open our Bibles and study God's Word. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So 1 John... uh, Chapter 1, first four verses, um, beautiful, powerful text. And what I want to cover here tonight is, um, I believe, an internally important question. How do I know that I'm a Christian? How do I know that I'm saved? I think it's an internally important question because... I think, sadly, many Christians struggle with the answer to that. And they may not realize that it's possible to have assurance or perhaps are looking for assurance in the wrong places, in the wrong ways. Thankfully, God does not leave us in the dark when it comes to our standing with him. He wants his children to know that they belong to him, which is one of the reasons he gave us the book of 1 John. This brief yet powerful book gives us evidences of eternal life to look for in our lives. Seeing this evidence should bring assurance and joy to God's children. At the same time, 1 John offers a much-needed warning to those who lack these evidences in their lives. It's entirely possible to think that things are okay between you and God when in reality they are not. There are likely many people in our churches today who fit that description. Of all the things to be deceived about nothing could be worse than being deceived about your eternal standing with God. Nothing could be worse than being deceived about where you will spend eternity. For these reasons and more, I believe we need to hear what God is saying to us in his, his word tonight. We want to avoid the deadly deception of false teaching and instead rest assured that we have eternal life in Jesus Christ. Amen? And so I want to share two of my prayers for us tonight. And then two things, two truths that hold the key to seeing these prayers answered in our lives. And so I'm going to start with my prayers as a pastor. And by the way, that's the perspective with which John is writing this book. This is the Apostle John, one of Jesus' disciples. He spent three years with Jesus, wrote the Gospel of John. John's account of the life of Jesus. Then he becomes a pastor in Ephesus and is writing this letter to the churches around the area of Ephesus, Asia Minor, think modern-day Turkey. And this letter, along with The two letters that come after it, 2 John and 3 John, the Apostle John is expressing his heart as a pastor for these churches. This is one of the reasons why I felt led to share this message with you tonight because it expresses in many ways my heart 
for his church. My heart for the body of Christ. My heart for you. The Apostle John is expressing his heart. So first prayer, I want you to know if you have been born again, born of God, born again of the Spirit by faith, that you would know that you know that you know that you have eternal life. That your salvation is sure. That's the purpose of the book of 1 John. John says this very thing. 1 John 5.13 says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And you know what's interesting? Near the end of the Gospel of John, John's account of Jesus' life, John tells us what he wrote that book about. John 20, verse 30 and 31 says, And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Sound familiar? This is a theme for John. Here in this letter, here in the book of 1 John, John uses the phrase eternal life 10 times. That's an average of twice a chapter, and he uses the words knowing and perceiving almost 50 times. John wanted men and women in the churches around him to know that they had eternal life, and I want you to know those of us that have received the finished work of Jesus by faith, that we would know that we know that we know that we have eternal life. Don't you want to know that? This is huge. This is important because you can be deceived about eternal life. That's part of the reason why John is writing this letter, because some of the people he's writing to were deceived. They're in turn deceiving others about eternal life. People were saying, yeah, I'm a Christian, but they weren't believing in Christ. People were saying, yeah, I'm a Christian, but they weren't obeying and following Christ. People were saying, yeah, I'm a Christian, but there was no evidence of the love of Christ in their lives. And John says in this book, they're not Christians, they're deceived. That kind of deception is a reality in the church today as well. The church is full of people who aren't saved. They've been deceived into thinking that they are. And I say this because on one hand, you can be deceived about eternal life. You can be deceived about salvation. And yet on the other hand, you can be confident. You can know that you know that you know. For these reasons and many more, we need to hear what God is saying to us here tonight. So my first prayer, if you have been born again, if you've been saved by grace through faith, I want you to Know that you know that you know. That you would be encouraged by God through his word and by his spirit tonight. My second prayer for us tonight is that I want you to experience God's perfect and eternal love. Hence the title of my message tonight, Eternal Life and Perfect Love in Jesus. We also see the word love almost 50 times in just 100 verses or so in this book. On average, that's almost every other verse. Highlighted in 1 John 4, 
verse 8, where we're taught that God is love. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Love is the defining characteristic of the Christian because God is love. And God wants you and I to know and experience his perfect and eternal love. Not just to hear God loves you. Not just to know it in your head, but to truly know and experience the love of God in Christ. I want us to see in this letter, I want each of us to see in this letter that you, right where you're sitting or wherever you're listening, you have been created to know God, to have assurance in your relationship with God. And you have been created to fully experience, fully enjoy God's perfect and eternal love for you. Not just to know of his love, but to fully experience. This is God's heart for each of us. Not some monotonous religious exercise or duty, but that we would know and enjoy this love relationship with God. Far too many professing professing Christians are not walking in the fullness and the joy of the love of God. And I am desperate, desperate for us to know and experience that. And not just for you. God makes clear through this letter that you and I have been created to express God's love for others. That God's love for us should be flowing from our lives to others. That the love of Christ would constrain us. That the love of Christ would compel us. Flowing from our lives, in our homes, in our marriages, our children, our workplaces. That this kind of love, this agape love would flow from your heart, from my heart, to the people that we serve with, the people that we interact with, this city, and the entire world. Our lives, our marriages, our families, our church are created to be an expression of God's love. And so I want you to know that you know that you know that you have eternal life. If you have been saved by grace through faith. And that you would know and experience and enjoy God's perfect and eternal love for you. With this understanding, I want us to look at two truths in the first four verses of 1 John. And I want us to notice the language that John uses here is intense, it's passionate. Emphasizing and repeating himself in different ways. And this makes sense when we see the truths that John 
is sharing. 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life, the life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. We saw him. We heard him. We held him. We bear witness and declare these things that your joy may be full. Full, the Greek word, plerial, to make full, to fill up, to fill to the full, complete. And here's the first thing we clearly see in these verses. Jesus is eternal life. This is the key. If you want to know God, if you want to know that you have eternal life, you have to know Jesus. Not just know about him. You have to know him. Now, what's interesting about these verses is that it doesn't seem like John is talking about a person at first. That which was from the beginning. That which we have seen and heard. It's almost like John is talking about something, not someone. Like he's talking about a concept, but that's where it gets interesting because John says in verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. John goes on in verse 2, the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life. Sounds like a concept, but then John goes on, which was with the Father and was manifested to us, clearly referencing a person. And that's the point of these verses. Eternal life cannot be separated from the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is eternal life. Without Jesus, you do not have eternal life, which is exactly what the Gospel of John teaches. John 1 verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 17, 3, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. You want to know that you have eternal life you have to know Jesus. Now that's a bold claim to the over 7 billion people in the world and countless people throughout history before now to say that Jesus is the only hope for anyone and everyone's eternal life. How is this possible? 
in a world full of religion and ideas and thoughts to say Jesus is the only way to eternal life. He alone is eternal life. How is this possible? John tells us this is true because Jesus is the perfect revelation of God. That's what we see in verse 2. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. The life was made manifest. It was revealed. God, the author of life, that which was from the beginning. Notice how 1 John 1.1 echoes Genesis 1.1 and John 1.1 in the beginning. So Jesus is the revelation of God who was in the beginning. The Bible's saying, see who Jesus is. He's the one who was with the Father from the beginning before anything else ever was, which is key because there were supposed Christians around Asia Minor and Ephesus in the first century who were denying that Jesus was God. And John is warning the church not to believe that heresy, not to believe that false teaching. This truth is the key to eternal life. Jesus is the perfect revelation of God. Jesus himself in John 14, 9, he who has seen me has seen the Father. He is God in human flesh. He is God the Son. See who Jesus is. See what Jesus has done. He has come to us. That's the point here in 1 John. Verse 1, God has come to us. We've seen Him. We have heard Him. We have touched Him with our own hands. This is the incredible declaration of the Bible. This is the reality of the gospel of Jesus. How many times I've literally heard someone say when asked, what would it take for you to believe in God? And they will literally say, if God would just come down and show himself to me, then I would believe. And guess what? This is exactly what God has done. God has come to us. The life Eternal life, the author of life before the world ever began. He has come. His name is Jesus. And this truth changes everything. Because the implications of this truth have ramifications for every one of us in this room. Every single life ever. Every detail of your life. And not just for your life now, but for your life forever. There were people in the first century, even professing Christians, who had a small and distorted and deceived view of Jesus. And as a result, they had a small, distorted and deceived view of what it meant to follow him. And today, in the 21st century, there are many people, even professing Christians, who have a small, distorted, and deceived view of Jesus. And as a result, they have a small, distorted, and deceived view of what it means 
to follow him. Many people in the world today can tend to say Jesus was a good man, a good religious teacher. He did good things, but they're not about to follow him as God, as the only Lord over their lives and their family and their money and their future. And my fear is, is that there are many people in the church today who are exactly the same. They're content to come to church, but unwilling to follow Jesus as God. Unwilling to follow Jesus as Lord over every detail of their life, family, money, future. Jesus is the only way to eternal life. He alone is eternal life. That's the first truth. And flowing from that, Jesus not only is, but offers perfect and eternal love. I pray that you would know that you have eternal life. Jesus is eternal life. I pray that you would know and experience God per, God's perfect and eternal love. Jesus is and offers perfect and eternal love. Now, I mentioned the word love is all over 1 John, but you'll notice the word love is not mentioned in the verses we just read. In fact, it's not mentioned anywhere in chapter 1. But that doesn't mean that the love of God isn't here. It's all over these verses. Think about what God is saying through John here. How do you know someone loves you? They show it. They reveal, they make manifest, they make known their love by their actions. Someone might say that they love you, but if their actions don't show this, you might begin to wonder if it's true. Love in this sense, in order to be loved, must be made known. And that's what we see in these verses. Eternal life made known, love made known. We have seen, we have looked upon, we have handled. This life, this love was manifested. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full, complete, that word fellowship is repeated four times in chapter one, twice here, as well as verse six and verse seven. Fellowship is this Greek word koinonia. It speaks of having communion, fellowship, closeness, intimacy used to describe the marriage relationship. John says that we can have fellowship, communion, this intimate relationship with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. This is love. Jesus has made a way for everlasting fellowship with God for you and for me. How? 
We're all sinners. Every single one of us in this room. All of us deserve separation from God forever. But the beauty of this passage, the beauty of the gospel is that God has not left us alone and separated from him. He has come to us in Jesus. Why? Because he loves us. Because he loves you. Because he loves me. 1 John 3.16 says, By this we know love. This is how we even know the definition of love. Because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Jesus lived the life we couldn't live. Willingly and lovingly died for the sin he did not commit. Endured the judgment of sin that we deserved. So that when we repent, when we turn from our sin, our rebellion against God and his lordship, then get this, the way is now made for us to have communion, fellowship, closeness, intimacy, koinonia with God. This is good news. This is incredible news. This is the gospel And you can have it too. Every single one of us, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, you can have fellowship with God. And I'm desperate that we do not miss this, church. In the busyness of this life, all the distractions, all the pressures, all the challenges. I want you to know that Jesus has made the way for you to have and to know and to experience the love of God in Christ, fellowship with God in Christ, and that your joy can be full. Don't miss this. And don't walk through life missing this. And by all means, don't walk around missing this and then call it Christianity. I've been praising God, man, just in my time in 1 John in a fresh new way. Praising God for my personal fellowship with him in Jesus. There's a lot going on in my life and my wife's life right now. Total insanity. And all the pressure and crazy that goes with it. And yet the Lord just keeps drawing me back to you and reminding me of His love for me. And this personal and intimate fellowship. He is with me, speaking to me and comforting me and encouraging me and exhorting me and ministering to me. 
And I want to meditate upon and experience this reality more and more. And I am passionate for you to experience and meditate upon this reality more and more. That we would live in and experience the love of God, fellowship with God. That we would be finished and done with this version of Christianity that says, I'm going to pray a prayer and then just move on with this life as I've always known it, and it looks like everyone else in this world. That's not Christianity. I pray that we would be finished and done with that. That we would instead experience and walk in the love of God. Live in fellowship with God. If you're here and you're not a Christian, your lame friend pulled you out on this freezing cold night and brought you to church. Maybe you're just exploring Christianity. Please hear this. Jesus offers you eternal life. Jesus offers you perfect and eternal love. He has come, died on a cross to cover your sin. He's made a way for you to have fellowship with God and you can have that Today, there's no list of things that you have to go and do. You simply turn and say, God, I need you to forgive me of my sin. Call upon the name of Jesus. Romans 10, verse 8 through 10 says, But what does it say? The word is near you. In your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. God answers that prayer. As you put your faith and your trust in Jesus, you're reconciled to God. And I say this as well so that those of you who might even call yourself Christians, but if you're honest, you don't know this love and this fellowship with God. You don't know this intimacy with God, you don't know this perfect and eternal love. I want to plead with you not to settle for anything less. Ask for it. Cry out to God. Fall on your face. God wants to answer this kind of prayer because God wants this sort of fellowship with you and has made a way for you to have it. He wants you to know and enjoy his perfect and eternal love. 
It's not something that he's trying to hide from you. It's not something that he's holding back from you. And not only do we have fellowship with God, Jesus has also made a way for everlasting fellowship with one another. 1 John 1, 3, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. He's talking about fellowship within the church. True fellowship only happens in Christ. Because when we are reconciled to God, the way is paved for us to be reconciled in relationship with one another, with those who know and follow Jesus. Think about it. We experience a fellowship in the church that is designed to be totally different than every other type of fellowship in the world. I've had this conversation with a dear brother of mine. Come to know the Lord, serving the Lord, planting churches for the Lord. But before he knew the Lord, he was trying to find this fellowship. We look for it. We look for it with, with our coworkers. We can look for it with our family. He looked for it on tour with bands. But it's all just a shadow of the true fellowship, first and foremost with God, but then that we enter into in the church. It's incredible. It's eternal. We put all this together and we realize why John says what he says in verse 4. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Again, this Greek word that means to make full, to fill up, to fill to the full, complete, complete joy, perfect joy. And perfect joy is only found in the Lord Jesus. Jesus has made the way for eternal life. Jesus has made the way for personal and eternal fellowship with God that we may experience the perfect and eternal love of God. Jesus has made the way for our authentic and eternal fellowship with one another in the church. And because of this, our joy can be full, lacking nothing. And John says, my joy is more complete by writing these things to you so that you might experience eternal life and everlasting love in Jesus. And isn't this true when you have the opportunity to share this love, the love of God in Jesus, the gospel with someone else, and they put their faith in Jesus and they receive eternal life and they experience the perfect love of God in Christ, you know what that does for you? Joy. Think about someone in your family. Think about someone in your sphere of influence who doesn't know Jesus, who doesn't know the perfect love of God in Christ. I, I mean, I know we all have those family members, those friends. 
Those coworkers, somebody you're at school with, will you and I walk away from this word tonight praying for them? Knowing that God came for them to experience his eternal life and his perfect love. And praying for boldness to share this life and this love with them. I mean, isn't this what we want? I am desperate. I am desperate for people to know the love of God in Christ. Because I still can't believe His love and His grace and His mercy in my life. I shared when I got up here, like I'm not up here because I deserve it. I haven't been saved because I earned it. That's not how it works. I did the complete opposite. I rejected Jesus my entire life. Outspoken. Hateful. Hurtful. For 30 years. I burnt my entire life to the ground. My marriage. My family. And you know what? Ask my two daughters sitting here tonight if Jesus is real. Because he saved their dad. And he saved their mother. And he saved our marriage. And now they know Jesus. And he saved them. I'm shook. My heart, my life has been shattered by the love and the grace of God. Has yours? I pray that it has. And that God would remind us. Like as we're going through this message, you might be like, man, I've heard all this before. Have you? I don't ever want the gravity of the gospel to grow light in my life. This is the greatest news in all of eternity. This changes everything. Everything hinges upon this. I desperately desire this in my family and in my friendships and in this city and in this world. Don't we want more and more people to know eternal life and the perfect and eternal love of God? Oh, God, I pray that you would continue to bless Calvary Church. That you would continue to spread your life and your love in this church and in this city and beyond. We want your life and your love to be known, God, among all the peoples of the earth. 
church, I pray that you would know that you have eternal life in Jesus. I pray that you would know and experience the perfect love of God in Jesus. And that the life and love of Jesus would flow through you and me and us together in a way that spreads to more and more and more people across Aurora and Denver, our entire state as we were praying before service, this country and the world. I mean, this is the beautiful reality of the gospel. This is what God is doing. Reconciling the world to himself. And he has given you and I the ministry of reconciliation through the word of reconciliation. This is not... The gospel is not the word of condemnation. The gospel is the word of reconciliation. It's incredible. And and even better news, Jesus is building his church and nothing is going to stop him. Nothing. Amen. Yes, we can give up for Jesus. This is really encouraging news for a pastor who planted a church seven weeks ago, right? I think this Sunday is week seven. Jesus is building his church. I don't have to build it. But church, are we broken? Are we desperate to share this, this love, this life, Because we should be. But that flows from first and foremost receiving and experiencing it first. We can't share what we don't have. I'd love to take just a moment to pray for this. Specifically, we all have a name or names and faces on our minds and our hearts. And I just want to take a moment. I want to, I want to say, hey, let's practically do this. Let's pray for those people that God would save them, that God would open up opportunities for us to share the love and the life of Jesus with them. God tells us this is where we've been entrusted with the gospel. And so if you just bow your heads and take a moment, God, as we pray specifically for loved ones, God, as we specifically pray maybe for wayward kids, God, would you give us compassion and boldness and courage to share this life, this love, your love. And even as we pray for others tonight, maybe God's brought you here tonight and you don't know eternal life 
and perfect love that is only found in Jesus. And maybe you're like I was for 30 years trying to find it in anything and everything. If that's you, I just want to invite you right now. Like you can be reconciled to God right now. You can cry out to God in your heart. I need you to know that in love, God has sent his son and poured out the judgment that you and I deserve on him instead. So that if you repent, if you turn from your sin and you believe and receive Jesus and his finished work, trusting in Jesus as Savior and Lord, you will be forgiven of all your sin and reconciled to God forever. This is the gospel. And I pray, if that's you, that you would not harden your heart. I urge you to believe and receive this truth the truth of the gospel tonight by faith. If that's you, as we have our, our heads bowed, would you just raise your hand so I can pray with you and pray for you? God, I want to thank you Oh, for your love, for your grace and your mercy in my life. And God, we want to know and enjoy and experience the depth of eternal life and everlasting love in you. We don't want a half-hearted experience of this. We want the whole thing. And so Jesus, we're coming to you based on your word, saying and acknowledging you are the key to it all. You are eternal life. You are perfect and eternal love. Thank you for loving us. God, I pray that we would grow And receive this. Incredible love. God I thank you for every heart here. As we. Hey we live in Colorado. We can brave the cold. And what a, what a gift to gather together. To fellowship. As your church. To be encouraged. Reminded afresh. what it is we believe and what this means and how incredible this is. And so I pray that by your spirit, Lord, you would establish the truths of your word tonight. Lord, that each of us would be encouraged afresh by your love and by your grace God, thank you for Calvary Church. Thank you for Pastor Ed and Marie and the family and this 
precious team, this precious fellowship. I have gotten to see and witness and experience your life and your love in and through them in my own life. I pray that you would be glorified as we respond in worship. That you would be glorified, God. We love you. We praise you. And it's in your precious name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.